Hello, everybody. Dave Neal here, stand-up comic and host of Bachelor Nation News. Happy Friday, July 7th, 2023. It's Bachelor Rush Hour. Uh, We're doing it. We're grooving it. Come on, folks. Hope everyone's having a fantastic end to the work week. The weekend is ahead. It's the middle of summer, baby. We got nothing but love out there, and I hope you're having a fantastic one. As always, on Fridays, on Fridays we do Driving with Dave. That's right. I've got your next episode of Driving with Dave today, my interview with Dr. Diane Strakowski. She's a psychologist. You know her. You love her. She deals with reality TV in all of the uh, dating and relationship advice you could ask for. Listen, if you don't do therapy, you should, but at the very least, you're going to enjoy the free therapy she's going to give us today. So we're going to get into that full interview. She joined me for my final driving with Dave in the Prius before we upgraded to the Tesla. I've got multiple driving with Dave's coming your way. I'm going to be introducing non-bachelor and non-reality interviews starting next week. That's right. I'm going to have my buddy Mario, who's a German model turned stand-up comedian. He's also got almost a million YouTube uh, subscribers, and we're going to have an interesting conversation and then the following week Courtney Robertson so every other week I'll have like maybe a comedian maybe a fellow reality star and we're going to talk about a lot of entrepreneurial things about you know content creating and how they got their career off the ground things that I find interesting but today's convo with Dr. Diane Strakowski will definitely tug at your heart as we try to learn the best ways we can uh, you know communicate with others because we're all primal beasts trying to live in this uh, modern world right folks And speaking of that, a real uh, crazy story. Victor Wembenyama, guard uh, in the NBA, won't be charged over the Britney Spears slap. Uh, His security guard um, was accused of slapping Britney Spears during a wild incident in Las Vegas on Wednesday night. He won't be charged with a crime, the police say. According to the LA Metro, uh, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, an investigation into the allegations concluded on Friday morning and no charges will be filed. So essentially what happened is Britney Spears, and I don't even have, let's go to Britney Spears' Instagram. I don't have this pulled up here. But she released a statement saying, look, I didn't attack him or anything. I just tapped him on the shoulder to say hi. And then, you know, his security guard back slapped me. Here's what she had to say. Traumatic experiences are not new to me, and I have had my fair share of them. I was not prepared for what happened to me last night. I recognized an athlete in my hotel lobby as I was heading to dinner. I later went to a restaurant at a different hotel and saw him again. I decided to approach him and congratulate him on his success. It was really loud, so I tapped him on the shoulder to get his attention. I am aware of the player's statement where he mentions I grabbed him from behind, but I simply tapped him on the shoulder. His security then backhanded me in the face without looking back in front of a crowd, nearly knocking me down and causing my glasses off my face. I get swarmed by people all the time. In fact, that night, I was swarmed by a group of at least 20 fans. My security team didn't hit any of them. This story is super embarrassing to share with the world, but it's out there already. However, I think it's important to share this story and to urge people in the public eye to set an example and treat all people with respect. Physical violence is happening too much in this world, often behind closed doors. I stand with all the victims and my heart goes out to all of you. I have yet to get a public apology from the player, his security, or their organization. I hope they will. I also don't appreciate, nor do I think this is a laughing matter. Watching the player smile and laugh was cruel and demoralized with the situation that took place. I am five foot three 
and he's seven foot four. I cherish the tremendous amount of love and support I am receiving at the moment. Thank you to the Las Vegas Police Department and the detectives for their support. So no word from her now that um, the charges were dropped or won't be filed. Maybe she had a part in that. Who knows? Either way, yeah. I mean, it's not like Britney Spears was a threat to him. And like she said, she has to deal with people rushing her all the time. Her security is trained appropriately. And yeah, just just wild. I mean, and also for the security guard, first of all, she, there, there's always ways to to de-escalate that don't involve slapping someone in the face. And secondly, I can't imagine what he was thinking when he realized he did that to Britney dang Spears. So we're happy she's okay and just like another just real wild moment for Britney. Um, so in other news here, Tom Sandoval, he's back on Vanderpump and been filming this week. We're going to listen to what he has to say about that right after a quick word from our sponsor. So it was rumored, heavily so, that Tom Sandoval was filming uh, the new ep- new season of Special Forces, which takes place in New Zealand. It's also rumored that Nick Vial and maybe Tyler Cameron are also filming that series. And that only takes place over a one-week time period and filmed in New Zealand. So Tom's already back. Here's what he had to say when TMZ caught up with him. Hey, Tom, how you doing? What's up, man? How do you feel about pump closing? Uh, it's a shame, but I understand. You know. Yeah. They got a lot of they got a lot of places. I'm sure they. I know they're working on other ones too. But you know, I remember when it seems like it just opened. You know, but I guess it has been like ten years. It's a long time. Yeah. How's Lisa doing? She's doing good. You know. This is a very nice gesture. You brought brought her some flowers. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes with uh, Lisa bringing her flowers, does feel like bringing sand to the beach, but <laughs> but it was nice. The place, there's no flowers in the place right now, so. And will you be coming out in um, season eleven? What? Will you be coming out in uh, Vanderpump season eleven? Uh, yeah, we're filming it right now. Okay, all right. Yeah. And uh, have you uh, spoken to Raquel at all since she's? Uh, I can't comment on that. Okay. Yeah. All right, that's fine. It's gonna be interesting though. Yeah. No matter what. It always is. What about uh, Tom Schwartz? Are you guys still cool or not anymore? Yeah, just saw him today. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, how's the music coming along? Uh, just staying busy, you know. Um, it's out there. Taking a little bit of a break because we're filming, but uh, yeah. Otherwise, I'm sure we'll be back on tour again. All right. Well, when's the next date? You don't have, you don't have one yet? Uh, we might have something at the end of... Um, uh, over Labor Day weekend in San Diego, and then we could be doing something in the middle of August. All right. All right, so then we get the show promotion from Tom Sandoval. So we don't hear too much from him, but of course, these are pretty well-coordinated paparazzi runs where Tom's going to walk across the block and paparazzi's going to follow him. I don't blame him. It's just their quick way of doing their thing. That's what they do. Uh, we don't have paparazzi following us, but I can tell you the ticket links are now on sale for my Seattle show, which will be August 24th. It's going to be like a dating and relationship-themed stand-up show. Of course, I'm going to be doing my normal act, but a longer set, and I'll have 
have some other comedy friends joining me. And tickets, you can get general admission tickets or VIP tickets. The VIP tickets come with a show poster, uh, which I'll sign, and a koozie, uh, a Dave Neal koozie, along with a beer in that koozie. So that's if you want VIP and VIP seating, you'll get front row seats. So anyway, that's uh, all available. There'll be a link in the description or go to linktree.com slash Dave Neal if you want to buy tickets. So Tom Sandoval is back filming season 11 of Vanderpump, and we've got Ariana Maddox um, releasing a little sketch with Derek Huff. I don't know if I want to play the whole thing because it's another long one here, but releasing a sketch of her announcing she's going to be on the next season of Dancing with the Stars. Welcome to Something About Her. Oh my gosh, you are Derek Huff. Yeah, you do Shouldn't you be off dancing somewhere? Well, I'm actually just rehearsing for my upcoming tour, uh, but I got hungry, so you have any sandwich? So it's Derek Huff. This is better seen than heard because the audio is terrible. Uh, they, they really should have made this with a higher quality thing if they were going to do it, but it's Derek Huff going to uh, Ariana's new food uh, place, what, what, whatever it's called. You know, you know, who cares, right? She's got a sandwich shop. So she's delivering sandwiches to him, and he's like, well, you should join the dancing team. And she's like, I think I will. And then all of a sudden, there they are. So I don't, does that mean Derek Huff, he's not going to be her dancing partner, right? He's only a judge these days. He's too famous to be dancing. But either way... It'll still be very fascinating TV to have uh, Ariana, who's become, I would say, one of the most famous reality people in the world right now, really. And she's going to be on Dancing with the Stars and Vanderpump and all the other commitments she has. So busy. Uh, life is busy when you get cheated on. Right, folks? Now, I'm not like Ariana. I, I don't have 17 different sponsorships, but I do tell you this. We, uh, we have a loyal sponsor who's been supporting us the whole Bachelorette season, and that's Microdose Gummies, an incredible entry-level dose of THC that helps you feel just the right amount of good. Microdosing can help curb your anxiety and keep the creative mind feeling relaxed all day long. Microdose is available nationwide, and to learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com, use code RUSHHOUR to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description Again, that's microdose.com, code rush hour. And I have to tell you, I uh, I, I kind of hurt my back this week while on vacation. I don't know if it was me swimming or whatever in the pool trying to avoid all these, like, five-year-olds throwing, you know, Nerf balls at my head, but um, tweaked my back a little bit and no better way to uh, recover than a little microdose when you go to bed. All right, let's get into it. You're going to enjoy this conversation dearly. I know you will. It'll be available tomorrow on YouTube if you want to watch that, but, of course, it's a three-camera set up in the car somewhere in the middle of the conversation about 20 minutes in we lost one of my uh, videos that overheated one of my cameras this issue won't happen again i've bought new uh, audio uh, uh, devices that'll help keep the keep the audio crisp so you might hear a moment with the audio changes a little bit and that's just because we lost one of the cameras that overheated and then we fixed it but either way you're going to hear it just fine uh, the information's super valuable we really enjoy that dr diane came by the mobile studio to talk to us. Without further ado, my chat with Dr. Diane Strakowski. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're so excited for another episode of Driving with Dave. Today we're driving with Dr. Diane Strakowski. Hello, how are you? I'm good, Dave. Thanks so much for joining the car. Yay, awesome. How exciting. What brings you to town? What are you up to? Well, um, we are here in LA. I'm here with my husband. Uh, I live up in the Bay Area. But we are here for my husband's high school reunion. And uh, so anyway, he grew up in L.A. and we're here. And, so I, I, you know, I get to L.A. as much as I can. Nice to yep. be back. Yeah. 
A little yeah. warmer, maybe? A little, a little bit warmer. It's been cool yeah, in well, uh, Northern California, for sure. This whole year, we, we haven't had a beach day. I mean, the, yeah. today on the beach was 63 degrees. Oh my like, God, what am I supposed to cold. do with that? Yeah. But out here where I am, inland, it definitely warms up. Yeah. Um, so we know each other through Bachelor content. Obviously, yes. we talk reality TV. Uh, you're a therapist. What, what's the, I always, I always never want to mess this up. I am a psychologist. A psychologist. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that different than a therapist? Or yes. Is it, okay. Yes. Just smarter? More school. More school, yeah, okay. (laughs) So to be a therapist, you do a master's degree, and then you sit for your license, which is still like 3,000 hours of clinical experience. But with to be a psychologist, you could be a psychologist one of three ways. You either get a PhD, a PsyD, or a doctorate in education, which is actually what I have. So I did my master's, a two-year master's. Then I did a four-year doctorate on top of it. Then I did a postdoc at Stanford, and then you sit for your licensing exam after you also have 3,000 hours of clinical experience. So I was in school four years undergrad, two years master's, a four-year doctorate, and then by the time you get licensed. So All right, so we have, we have your credibility exactly. on file here. How it's do you, I mean, what's the motivation like to, to be in school for that long? Just wanting to help people or like, what, what was the itch that you, wanted, um, that you wanted to get into psychology? You know, I grew up in Chicago, um, did my undergraduate there, worked at like, I mean, I've done everything in mental health. I worked at a halfway house. I worked on a, a crisis hotline in Chicago, talking like inner city people, suicidal, et cetera. And I just knew I wanted the highest level of education. And honestly, like my postdoctoral training at Stanford was the best experience I could have gotten. So it was really working with certain people, lots of different populations. Um, I do a lot of volunteer work um, because I really want to give back to the community. What was there a moment in your studies that you're questioning if I want to do this, like just where it got real or you're like, oh, this is heavy. Oh yeah. Because I had no money. Um, my parents were like, you know, Polish immigrants. My dad has a whole story. We had no money. So, um, when I had to really take out loans because otherwise I went to undergrad, I was a waitress while I was in school. Um, then I was working, while I was doing my doctorate. So I was always trying to have some money so I wasn't gonna go in big debt. But there came a point where I'm like, oh my God, this is just too much. I need to like get out and start making money. So that was Waitressing must have been uh, another way to learn how to read people. (laughs) I mean, that's a relationship there, right? Absolutely. And in fact, I was was going, I needed some money at this point and I wanted to go back to waitressing. And that's how I got the job because I said, you know, I've been out of waitressing for a while, but I think I can gauge what people know before they even want it. And the guy said, you're full of shit, but I like your attitude. So I'll hire you. So, yeah. So how long did you, how long did you practice before uh, getting into the reality world where you're, you're, you're essentially watching the show like the rest of us, but have a yeah. more educated opinion on what's going on in people's heads? Well, Dave, I am the OG because I started watching in 2002, the first episode. Okay. Okay. So, So, but back then I was single and I was just curious about reality dating and I had my girlfriends over and we would have watch parties and I just always loved it. But I have to say it's probably been maybe the last five years that I really decided to make it part of my page and part of my practice. Um, honestly, when I'd have my clients 
come to a session and then at the end of session, I don't want this to be their whole session, right? Hey, Dr. Diane, what do you think of the latest episode? And I mean, like, let's talk. And I thought, wow, I have a lot to say about this. And then, as you know, I study attachment theory. And so to me, that was a perfect way to blend kind of my characters along with the show. Has watching the show helped your practice by having a case study of what you're looking at or being able to relate it to people? Like, What's that relationship like? 100%. Um, I mean, I think for me, I can't use my clients as... um, because of confidentiality. I can't obviously refer at all in any kind of identifying information of a client. So for me to be able to say, oh, you're kind of like Hannah or (laughs) you're kind of of like Clayton. (laughs) Um, And and people will self-identify. So I'm not saying you're like that, but they'll say, oh my God, I can so relate to that person. And so we start the conversation there. And then, um, you know, how can I have a better outcome or how come this person did this? And I get to dissect that. Yeah, I mean, cause you know, that it's very similar as a comedian. I go, oh man, I could go all day making fun oh, of yeah. this or making fun of that. Yes. So there is a, a large Petri dish of bacteria floating around known as, and I'm not just talking about the bachelor hot tub. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes. That's a whole different, that's a whole different Petri dish. <laughs> but we're watching it. And look, like I said, I'm no expert on anything. All, the only thing I know about is every breakup I've been through, every heartbreak, every yes. fight, I've Googled, why do I feel this way? Why does this person not want to listen? And, and then, I, you know, it's like that, um, it's trying to fix a sinking ship with duct tape and prayers. Uh, but you realize that like these, these folks, they're young, they're adults, but their brains are, you know, they, they've, they cherry pick people that have so much they need to work on, um, that it kind of becomes ripe for, uh, for like sampling what's, you know, red flags and, and all that. Um, hundred percent for me, it's like, I can talk about what is gaslighting and, you know, I'm sort of like the cop on this, like this is, this is what this is. This isn't this, because I do think a lot of people with their armchair kind of psychology, they'll say things because we pick it up from Twitter, right? Like, yeah. oh, people said, you know, this happened. And because we're West Coast, right, I can look at the feed, the Twitter feed before the show. Mm. So I kind of get a sense of what might happen. And I think we need to be careful about those terms, because if we're using them so liberally, then actually people are going to be even more anxious going into dating, thinking like, this is what's going to happen. Isn't right? that wild? Yeah. Like, have you seen, I mean, if, when, when everyone's accusing so-and-so, I think it was at the time Greg Grippo of being a gaslighter, yeah. just to have you as, as a certifiable expert say, no, this isn't the definition of the term. Yeah. If I say that, I'm almost nearly getting canceled from people. Did you see the pushback from that in your own world and in your DMs when you were like, hey, you're not using these words, right? Well, um, yes. And then people reference me and say, you know, even the doctor says that's not the case. Um, now, I do have to be careful then. Like, for instance, somebody who has been, for instance, abused by a narcissist or something will see themselves and will identify and um, sometimes therapists get it wrong and I'm like you have to even if your therapist doesn't agree with you you still now have to decide what to do whether they have a label or not right it's still 
something's not right in the relationship to even get you to that point. Right. right. And, and yeah, and so we're watching the show. Right. And we're seeing something problematic happen. Yep. And we're going, that happened to me with this guy, so this yep. person must also be that way. Exactly. So what, is it a critical, like, mass that has to form before someone's a clinical, uh, a narcissist? Like, so, can someone have a narcissistic trait but not be labeled a narcissist? 100%. So, um, to be technically a narcissist. So there are narcissistic traits and it's all on a continuum, right? Like you can have a little bit of, you know, lack of empathy. Um, You can be um, quick to anger, for instance. But to be a narcissistic personality disorder, uh, you have to have, I don't have it on me, but like the DSM, you have to have so many qualifying symptoms and really to be like a malignant narcissist you need to be like sociopathic yeah it's like, like a, really bad it's like a, a shitty chef right like uh, absolutely I might, be, I might be bad at making chicken cacciatore but i'm not necessarily yeah. a shitty chef i just right. that's not so right. like i mean that's a terrible analogy I so don't know, but. but but i had done a post like is he a narcissist or is he just an asshole you know like i mean there's just guys who are assholes there but to you, that also is what's going on with you. So let's say if I have an anxious attachment style and I need a lot of validation and reassurance and I'm with a guy who is more of an avoidant type, more independent, I'm gonna feel like he's being a narcissist because he's not giving me what I need when somebody else might be dating that person who's also that type and they don't see him that way, Mm. right? So it's really dependent upon the, the viewer's perspective, right? Like even that talk about Greg Gri- Gripo and Katie, right? Depending on who you were also in your own personality, in your own style, you're going to see it differently. That's a great point. So it's really just a, it's more so the about eye the, of the, the pairing. Yeah, exactly. So you can have someone that it might be wild red flag because they can't provide their partner by the way, we're gonna we're gonna pull right yep. into the shade and finish this convo yep. here. Okay. Just to keep it nice and cool, yep. nice warm day here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, because I mean, look, I, I mean, everyone think no one thinks they're the bad person. I mean, right. I'm sure I've been in the relationships where you know there's a brunch conversation happening about me because sure. uh, because how needy I was. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's yeah. a million scenarios yeah. that you look at and you go. Be, being redeemable like we we shouldn't watch the show in my opinion to see perfection we should watch it to be like oh that person was avoidant and i should make sure in my scenario i'm not running away from my problems or whatever right like 100 so for me really what i'm fascinated about is not the relationship per se but like the conversation so like for instance i can remember michelle young i thought she did some really nice jobs also gabby gabby windy breaking up with people like they handle themselves really well I'm like that's what a secure person does and Michelle I thought came from a great family I thought she was secure but Gabby like earned her security right she had a tough family Mm. but yet the way that she handled herself in those key conversations was really key and then I could say do that yeah be more like that hold yourself like that and do you think that the fact that the show pairs people up in kind of a fantasy world and then yes. splits them into their own like with Katie Thurston right good yep. friend of the show did Driving with Dave her and Blake had a great connection yeah. but then he has his passions he's going after which is fair I believe but at the same yeah. time it changes 
the formula, plus he's out of the country, they don't live near 100%. each other. So if they if they lived in the same city, he could probably juggle it all. But yeah. so I just saw that doomed from the from the start, and I think she did as well. That's why it didn't last long. So the show almost gets interesting when they're into their safe house visits, when when they're into their post uh, fantasy world. And is that where they need to work, they really work on finding out who they are? Like, is that where the truth comes in? 100%. And, and I actually really liked, um, really liked Zach and Katie for that reason, because they lived in the same town. And it's like the problem, I thought the exact same thing with Katie and Blake. She just wanted somebody local. I couldn't blame her, right? She ended up with John because he was more local to her. You can, How can you have a fiancé that's out of the country? And she just I mean, moved. She's in exactly. a new town. I can't even imagine the poor girl. Like, that to me was rough. That's why, I actually, I like Love is Blind because everybody's from the same city. Regional. I think it, that's a key thing missing in The Bachelor, that if they had more local people, then it, it would, I, I think, the chances of success would be better. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. yeah, every the my two biggest like limbic flaring, sad, depressive breakups happened when I was living in a new town without a job. 100%. And I've looked at that and I go, and this is an issue contestants have is main mainly people that go on the show don't have a career. Now, more more so now there's people with yeah. careers they juggle back and sure. forth, but there's plenty of people, God bless them because I don't blame them that yeah. are the Johnny DeFilippos, the Eric Schwartz. Yeah. I would have been that guy being like, yeah. "Well, I got a headshot, I'm trying to act, I don't really right, know, right. I could use some Instagram right. followers." That's the 20s yeah. world that we yeah. live in. Yeah. So I mean, like, do a lot of these issues go away when you have a job or a support system? Well, I'll use myself as an example. So I moved from Chicago after undergraduate, um, was applying to graduate school, had a boyfriend. He moved to California for work. He was an engineer. And he said, you know, Diane, come with me. I mean, I was 24, so I was kind of right in that age. And I said... this is like four years ago. Exactly. Thank you. I'm doing my math right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. And um, I've now since been married 14 years to a different guy, but okay. Um, anyway, I went because I thought this is interesting. I'll see what happens, but I didn't have a job. And um, it was hard. It was really, really hard. So when I say it would be easier, it would have been. I moved to a new place, um, eventually find my fiance cheating on me. Oh, no. Um tragic but you know what and this is old school this is pre oh this is media, pre so all social you media you used to have to like run into them at the uh gym or no something. no no like he moved out and um literally i knocked on the door and he was with a woman yeah oh. and i kind of lost it at that point but um you know what i have to say dave the crazy thing it was probably one of the um quickest kind of breakups because it was done mm. it was one and done he was with this other person. The true he, colors came he, out quickly. He met her at work. I was actually in going to school with for my master's and working full time. I mean, I had no time, and it was it was done. It was done. He had already moved out. We separated our stuff, but I had a wedding planned. I had a wedding dress. Oh my gosh! We were all about. Did you to immediately just, know you were going to call it off, or did oh, you yeah. try to save it? Was, it? it was it was over. Was, it no, was over. I mean and. The, and I threw back the ring, and I was like, oh, my you God. You got it, yeah. I know. I, was, I mean, take it, you know. Oh, I know. I was like, uh. Anyway, it was, a, it was a low moment in my life. But having said that, I would not have moved to California. 
Um, I think I learned an incredible amount and I actually got into therapy. Wild. Did a lot of therapy at that point. And at that point you were already, uh, were you already practicing? I was not practicing because I was still in school. Okay. So I was in school getting my master's. I was not licensed Do a lot of people that get into your career have therapies? Because it seems like... It's highly recommended. Highly recommended. I mean, Mm -hmm. because you, I mean, how do you, I mean, I'll use myself as an example. When I open my DMs as a normal guy, I get messages, people, I'm going through dialysis, my dog died, my mom said, and I'm like, I'm not a priest and priests have to deal with a lot of those types of things, but I'm like, oh, this is a lot. I, there's like, in, in the, in no previous world, would, would someone just share this much with one person? No, agreed, you know? agreed. And, but a therapist yeah. has to deal with yes. a lot of people's energy. Yes. And how do you, how do you like clean yourself of that so that you can remain vibrant and mm-hmm. inspiring others and things and not like fall, fall into you know, rough? I think the difference is, and it, it was hard. And in graduate school, because we have a lot of trainings, um, we, we are like pretend sessions with other our colleagues, right? Mm. Because you play the client, so you're not practicing on real people, essentially. And then you do internships because that's to get your 3,000 hours. Um, and because you're so, and I, and I thought I'm not going to be able to do this because I'm quite empathetic and I'm going to feel other people's pains and you feel yourself like tearing up. But the more that you practice it, you're so in your head about trying to figure out what to do or how to help that it, it, you lose that over time, right? You don't, uh, and there's still times where somebody, something is so unique, it'll just catch me or I'll feel somebody's pain. And, and I think it's a way to connect with people, honestly, when they feel like you're feeling it with them, they appreciate that. In that vicarious feeling, yeah. I mean, it happens when you just see a yeah. good deed on the street, right? It, it doesn't, yeah. you can just, it happens from observing goodness or, but you know, it can also- Do you know why? Why? Because we have something called mirror neurons. In your brain, this is how we learn empathy. In fact, they found this fascinating study. There was a chimpanzee, and they had his brain, his brain open, and they were doing some studies. And one of the investigators licked an ice cream cone, and then his brain lit up in certain uh. so because he could like <laughs> feel that. And so they identified in the monkey where the mirror neurons are. And we now know that humans have the same My mirror neurons. neurons want an mirror ice cream neurons. now. Like, that's <laughs> right. That's exactly right. So that's why when you see somebody crying or upset, you feel what they're feeling mm. because of mirror neurons. So is that, are we feeling like trauma when we watch The Bachelor, when we watch a breakup? Because uh, it can get rough out there. We're, we watch that yeah. and they're like, oh, and then I, I'll put the live yeah. stream on right after. And it's like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> like, yeah, well, what's happening is you, you are then reminded of your own things, right? Like if somebody's father died, you're reminded of your own father and maybe their death. I mean, um, trauma though is mainly experienced. So we can have a kind of secondhand, you know, uh, but so it's, it's not it's, like it's, reopening a wound. It's well, just feeling. Well, it can. I mean, it can open those memories. And so then you have to kind of ground yourself. But I'm saying true trauma is what we consider what you call an a priori, meaning like you have had something that's happened to you beyond the norm of normalcy, beyond a breakup. Like for real trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, you have, you've like witnessed a murder, you've been raped, you've had something horrific mm. happen. And then you have a series of responses to that trauma. You know, I'm very 
um, empathetic to that issue. My father passed away yeah. from PTSD from Vietnam. Yeah. And yeah. He, he died, obviously, years later. He died yeah. 50 years after. But that was part of, oh, yeah. that was on the death certificate. And it was years before they knew what that mm -hmm. was. And yeah. even, even knowing it now, still so many veterans aren't getting treated. We're going to have yeah. a, a millennial veteran on the show here okay. to talk a lot about that. Because we it's almost like now we live in a world where we can just scroll through the phone and we have so much access to entertainment yep. that I feel like we can just push through to the next thing and not fully heal yep, when we 100%. go through an issue. Yeah, so like, and, and my tr my dad had trauma too. He was in uh, the end of World War II, got separated from his parents, got literally taken by the Russians to Siberia. Wow. I mean, and this is my dad. This isn't my grandpa. This is my father. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then a lot of their coping mechanism is sometimes to not talk about it or whatever. That's and my dad. Just squish it. Don't talk about it. You know. How yeah. can someone in a relationship comfort their partner if there's something that maybe is unresolved? Sure. Or do you just have to? Because you can't really teach anyone to feel. Yeah, and in attachment that. theory, we would say that person is fearful avoidant, so they've had a trauma. Now they're easily triggered, right? So you do something that reminds me of something that some that my original trauma, and now I'm feeling physiologically like I'm there again, right? That's mm. that's one of the symptoms of post-traumatic stress that you're having like uh, flashbacks, right? You're like a car goes off and it sounds like a gunfire, and so you're physiologically aroused. Your, I see people jump that's out of their socks. That's when people have trauma. Um, there's all different kind of varieties, right? There's emotional, physical. Um, and then when you talked about like having a partner, you two together would have to figure out like, what are your triggers? What can I do to not trigger you? But then the person themselves is also responsible for being able to manage their triggers better. So right. trauma treatment is really complex. And oftentimes it's not just like one thing that's going to make a difference. Maybe it's EMDR and meditation and uh, somatic healing, which is like a hands-on healer, and um, learning DBT skills. And so it, it, you have to really like understand what the problem is to then understand how to treat it. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. And how quickly when you are dealing with a client, can you pinpoint if they've got one of these issues with their attachment? Because is, is does everybody fit yeah. into one of these main attachment styles? Yes. Or do they have like, I'm a little bit of this, I'm a little bit of that? Well, so I actually was really curious. So I started studying attachment theory 10 years ago or so when I really got into it. And I, um, a lot of the data, the actual science of attachment theory studies children, infants. But they were saying the, you know, I would go to all the conferences because every year we have to do continue, continuing education, et cetera. And I would say, like, what are the statistics? And everyone would say 50% of the population is secure. And I'm like, hell no. <laughs> no, 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 no. We have a 50% divorce rate. Now, that's also higher because a lot of people get married multiple times right. to elevate that. But I said, I don't think so. I think we have more insecure people. So I created my quiz that's on my website. And I now have the data, which is 75% of people are insecure. Wow. Only 25% are secure. I would say I'm insecure. Yeah. And I've talked I, about I would my... too. I'm, I'm, I'm the first to say it. I'm like, I'm not perfect. I think I've gotten better in my marriage. And that's the whole point. Like you earn your security. 
in a good relationship. But my data says that 75% of people are insecure and the majority of people have an anxious attachment style. Interesting. Yeah. 46% of women, 39% of men fall in that category. So relatively non-gender based. That's I mean, right. That's pretty and the majority of those are the people who go on the show. Yeah. Well, because yeah, I mean, they want so. love. They're interested in relationships. They hate being single. Those are the people who are going to be fascinated by reality TV shows and they're going to go versus the avoidant person. I can even think of recently like um, Jason and Gabby. He kind of X'd himself out, right? He, yeah. he got to be too much. They did the hometown and then he's like, I'm out. That's an avoidant person who says, this is just too much. It's going too fast. I don't feel 100% about you. I can't do this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like with my relationship, we, I feel like when, when I came to the terms that, that my partner's personality type isn't necessarily who she is. That's just like yes. the, the, the world she's operating through. Right. And, and the same here, uh, it made it a lot easier to love. When you go, mm -hmm. this person's not walking, you know, because I feel like they're not when, being malicious. Yeah, and usually when you're like maybe younger in a relationship, you're like, if you love me, you won't leave me right now, and it's, mm -hmm. <laughs> slam the door. It's like no, it's not because like they don't love you. They just like yeah. you know need their time to decompress or do whatever. And I'm like the type who's just like the rabbit bouncing around, being like, let's hug it out right now, and it's like give it a minute. As as you have quoted me in my quote, the you're in hot water and you don't know what to do, you can't take it personally, and the person just needs time. It's not that they really mean to be abandoning you. Yeah, and right. I think I learned a lot about myself um, when I, in, in, in that hot water with my yeah. wife now, where there was circumstances where I would like damn near have a panic attack because we couldn't communicate in that moment when in hindsight, I probably should have just gone and walked the dog. Yeah. But I didn't know that. And she didn't right. tell me that because she didn't know what she was doing. And we've had to come to terms with like, I'll tell her like, hey, I got a show tonight. I can't go to the show in a bad mm -hmm. headspace. Like, it's almost like you don't go to yes. bed. Don't go to bed. With the fact. I'm the yeah. same thing with like, I don't want to go on stage and perform yeah. if I'm, if I, and, and I have before, but it's gotten so much better in the last couple of years because we've just kind of doubled down on learning about each other. Whereas 100%. I think on these shows, they can just be out on the first sign of a red flag. Well, I think the anxiously attached person is going to fight harder and stay longer because they're like in it and they seek inconsistencies because they had inconsistencies. So that's almost like normal. That's what they're like. Like the working hard is what I know love is. So I that feels familiar to me. Mm. Um, but the problem is all of this is completely manufactured because, right, normal relationships. Do you know how long it is before people get married in general and dating in that early 20 group? Two years? 4.9 years. Wow. People date 4.9 years and we expect them to meet, be engaged in what, six, yeah, eight right. weeks or something and then get married. It's like, why aren't you moving in? Because people do it. I think like the way JoJo and... Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Jordan. Jordan did it, is more real life, right? 
give yourself some time get to know each other and that's what What's zach and katie rush? are trying to do they yes. said they said they skipped a whole year they got engaged in 2022 in the fall right yeah. no no 2023 and they're yeah. like maybe i think they said 2025 they're like let's just wait good, a whole nother year for them yeah like what's the rush yeah and so, there really shouldn't be other no. than pressure from the fans and maybe pressure from 100%. the franchise and, and i think the you know because it's been so public we somehow believe that we should have like access to them and it's like uh, it's not really fair. Yeah. We're well and I feel like when you consume the show you yeah. want to have control over it. We made you and I get that as I get that yeah. with my own channel. People wanna eat, feel control because they're 100%. like they've invested their time. So yeah. there's like where's the where's the give back there? And yeah. I've had to tell people and I, maybe this is good advice for anyone who's on the show, like you gotta be like steadfast and like leading your own course because if you start to sway for other people and I heard I heard a quote the other day that was like don't don't you know don't avoid the trees on the trail like I'm, I'm gonna butcher this quote but the idea being don't don't stare at the tree when you're on the trail like you have you have don't, plenty of open what, you, what we say is don't look for the pothole you're gonna hit the pothole yeah. right look straight ahead and you're more likely to miss it right because your audience yes. will give yes. you yes. you know different things in yes. your head and if you're not like steadfast you can let that get to you yes um we have only a few minutes left but we have charity here can you believe how fast this is going by um we've got your charity doll here yes. uh the season by the time this airs she's will lost be, her shoe she lost a shoe the That's season okay. will already have started here what do you what's your um advice for charity and she's a she's a practicing therapist herself she, right i'm pretty sure she's a licensed i don't know if she's licensed yet, yet but she finished her studies and so she is a therapist and I'm very curious in how she handles herself and um, because of course I imagine she's going to have a lot of empathy and she's going to be great and I thought this doll like look at the hair and everything there you I mean, go I mean she looks nice just <laughs> and I and I because also people are saying charity's a doll and I'm like oh I'm going to get a doll that looks like charity and so we will you will see a lot more of charity yeah though. but yeah. she's still i mean young so oh, like, yeah, even if course. like you learn in practice yep. kind of like how rachel recchia is a pilot yes. it's like yes. yeah but like you still got to go fly a few 100%. laps around you 100%. know live, li learn all the conditions here but the good thing is that by that point you've had enough education and you do understand people and i and i think she's going to be able to communicate well through the hard spots and supposedly she's happy i mean i yeah want to see that of yeah. course that'd be great well We'll yeah. see how it goes. Um, we yeah, we didn't get too many crazy toxic things in the last season or so. I've heard from maybe it was Susie. Maybe she said it on okay. my show actually that she feels like the contestants are afraid to do the wrong thing because of how volatile it got with audiences. Um, I guess that's an aspect of dealing with no, knowing in the back of your head, even though you're trying to like make this this relationship work that the cameras are there and yes. that does skew how you know how what you actually might feel about something and not wanting to come off like you know if 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 you're Zach Shell Cross and Christina Mandrell has a kid it's like I don't want to dumb her because she has a kid but I don't want to be a stepdad right, at 25 right. I mean these are these are things that in the real dating world you have to think about you know and I can share my story yes, about um how to find love because I do because I was engaged young then that didn't work out. And then I had a lot of dating. I dated a ton of yeah. people. I'm, I'm talking hundreds. Hot girl summer or like hot girl Years. 20s? Yeah. Hot girl 20s <laughs> and 30s. I dated them all. Well, was I was there, on, were, you on, were you feeling a pressure that people talk about? 100%. You know? Yeah. I felt the baby pressure. I, I came from a big family, wanted a big family. 
but then I was in school and mainly because I had to work too and pay my own way, it was hard. I ended up buying my own place. That was hard. But I mean, I was working all the time. So I get that like my career came first and some of that slid. And I have to say, I personally think that watching the show helped me. And I call it going all in because it's like, you know, how often in dating you're kind of half-assing it. You really are. Like, I'm going to fit him in between brunch and working out and yoga. And if it, you know, and finally, one of my girlfriends said, Diane, you're not going to meet a guy at your book club. They're all women, right? And I'm like, you're right. So at 40, I was 40, single, dating yet another kind of narcissistic type. And I said, okay, I'm done with this. And I said, I'm going to go all in. Those people on Bachelor go all in. And I did. I had a dating calendar, Dave. I said (laughs) to myself, I'm going to meet 100 people. Wow. I'm going to date 100 people. So you went all data-driven on I was data-driven. I literally had charts. I have a diary that my husband, like, went and looked through. So I said, I'm going to, I'm committed to, I'm going to date 100 people before I, like, make my decision. And wow. Lyle, my husband, was the 51st guy. Wow. So you made it just past the halfway I made it mark. half. And then I had to quit because I'm like, okay, well, now I've met him. I'm not, not going to. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I literally had written down how I met them, where, all these other things. And I said, I'm just going to go through the numbers. It's like a numbers game. And I met him. And then I knew because... I also had enough data at that point to know who's a good guy and who it right. So much in yeah. life is a numbers yeah. game. Yeah. Because it's all opportunity. Yeah. But I am a testament to meeting somebody later in life when you really get determined how to date with intention. I have courses on this. Like, you know, you got to really go all in. You got to, you really got to go all in. And not expect that. That's yeah, right. you're, That at 23, the sixth yeah. guy you've ever exactly. kissed is going to, yeah. and which can be tough because a lot of people in the purity culture world put 100%. a lot of weight on that, like early first love. Like but when, but when the 26 year old goes, finally it happened. I'm like, Oh, sweetheart. I thought it finally happened for me a lot of times too, you know, and you just don't know, but you have to, you have to see it through, right? You have to like see those relationships through. And also a lot of, I know a lot of people that have, like we talked about, rather than working on themselves, their relationship kind of duct taped whatever issues they had. Yeah. And that's going to come undone at some point. If you, whether it's after you have kids or like at some point, you can't, I always talk about like, you can't do a job you don't love. And, you can't marry Dave, someone that's it's not. It's at that point that you really actually have to stick in therapy. So I had, I kid you not, I had like seven different therapists. Not a single one had told me, boy, Diane, you have an anxious attachment style. But then by that point, I had already had enough education. I kind of figured it out. And I said, this is my work. Like, I have to keep doing this work. Now, I have to keep working on myself. Did you did you do that because you're normal? Uh, you're like because you had spent so many years avoiding, avoiding that work and just like putting your energy into well, your, your, uh, your career. I was doing the work. It was I just didn't have the name for it. Like it, I, I knew I was anxious and I knew I was struggling, but like I couldn't quite put it together. Mm-hmm. And then when I did, and why I 
again, did the quiz and everything after is because once you have a name for it, it's like we call it name it to tame it. Like then I knew this is my anxiety. Now I can work on fixing it. And name it to tame it. Name it I love to that. tame it. I always say the sunlight's the greatest disinfectant yes. and it's the same idea where when you yes. when you can learn something, you quantum leap into this like, oh and my god. That gosh. should be the name of this episode. You have to name what it is because if I don't know what it is and if I keep screwing up and making the same mistakes and I don't, I, and I don't have a mirror. And actually, that's why reality dating show. And I've talked with lots of people from the show. They all say I learned so much because mm. now you have to see yourself back. Yeah. Well, hopefully, some people learned some stuff today. And if they are still interested, which they should be, they can go follow you at Back to Love Doc on Instagram. Yes. You have your quiz on there to find out what you're on my on my website. But yes, on my yeah, click in my information. And that, we'll yeah. put your link in for YouTube yeah. as well. Thank you so much. Do we do we leave anything on the table here? I mean, I could talk to you forever, but I know we got to no, get going. And, but. and um, but Dave, I love your story too because how long were you together? About eight years. Wow, yeah. fantastic! But you got married, and and I love that because we need role models of good relationships and. You know, I've got my husband with me. He was a good guy. Yeah. And, you know? And we do a lot of work. I actually yeah. just found, I was looking for the title of my car and I was going through all this old stuff and I found a, a note my wife wrote me uh, when we were our four year anniversary. Yeah. And it was, it almost brought me to tears reading Aww. it because we always had this connection, but it's almost like like our environment and other issues yeah. were pulling away at us. We work in entertainment. You know, so I was you driving Uber ready, late at night. Right? Like you find the right person, but you're not ready. And I think timing is just so crucial yeah. yeah and we just yeah. we just fought so hard to like to really even though we trigger each other all the time gosh she's a quiet introvert type and i'm like ah! but we've really learned how to to do that dance and um well that's me and my husband i am the ah person and he's the quiet yeah type. yeah, yeah. Tasha's, it's a good combination Tasha's just yeah. like her dad they like to yeah. read a book and be left yeah. alone yeah which is good i can go do stand up and she can do yeah. like yeah. you know whatever but it, you, you you learn how to how to make it work it's in a good a way combination that, yeah yeah. Well, thanks again, and yes. um, name it to tame it. That's the episode. Name it to tame it, yes. All right, come back anytime. All right, appreciate you. love to. All right. Okay. All right, name it to tame it. It ain't lame, is it? Uh, <laughs> okay, so we appreciate Dr. Diane for coming by. She's so wonderful. As you know, we've had her on the podcast via Zoom many times. She lives in the Bay Area, but met her and her husband. Uh, they're, they're really good people. When Dr. Diane and I were filming this project. It was, by the way, it was a heat wave in LA last week when we filmed this. Uh, Dr. Diane's husband was able to go have a nice chat with my wife in the in our backyard. And uh, it was it was kind of it was kind of nice for me and Dr. Diane to have our time. And then my wife and, and her husband had a very nice chat and then we could swap stories after. They're a really kind couple and you can really tell uh, and feel that loving vibrancy as she speaks. And uh, it's been very nice uh, having her be a part of the community. I have to say it's one of those instances where I, I, I kind of grapple sometimes with the success of the channel. You know, last week we were featured in Time Magazine, and I don't say this as a humble brag. It's really all thanks to you guys for being a part of our community and for being so loyal. And it's just wild to think that someone like Dr. Diane, who's a you know successful psychologist, would even want to hang and chat with some bloke like me who doesn't know a thing or two about um, about any of that. So 
I'm curious, as I think we should all be, about how we can get the mind uh, to work properly with the soul, right? We have to get the mind and the body and the soul all on the same page. And so often when we talk to our family, our limbic system get flared, bitterness comes up. Oh, that's what, you know, if we flip the table, as I was saying, you know, the dad's got lead poisoning. We're all rah, 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 rah. And we need to have more compassion and grace and understand that every situation, every conversation, every scene of our lives is a chance for growth. It's a chance for sharing love. It's a chance for making someone else's day bright and ours as well. I hope we can all continue to do that. I want to thank you guys dearly for listening to this episode. And if you want to support Another great way to do that is to go on YouTube. I know you just listened to the Dr. Diane interview, but if you could go on YouTube starting Saturday tomorrow and leave a comment and let the episode play again, it'll help as we continue to boost and build the new channel. It's on the Dave Neal Show. And again, links in the description to buy tickets to the Seattle Show. I might have some other dates coming up soon. All right. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody. I've been Dave Neal, and this was Bachelor Rush Hour.